0: This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers—they're here to help. He has time. Launches it to the end zone. Touchdown! Terrence Williams. Throw goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He puts. Oh, Oh, he's the wide open Raider. Let me the ten. Let up the right sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their.
1: Championship. Welcome to the Republic of Football Small College Edition. I am Mike Craven, your host and college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, TexasFootball.com. Joined by our small college insider, Corey Hogue. Corey, how are you doing? Doing great. It was a, a- A good weekend, a surprising
0: weekend in sub-FBS. We had some upsets, some teams that just aren't quite living up to what they should, and then some teams that prove they are as dominant as we thought they would be.
1: Well, let's get right into it. For the people who don't listen every week, well, first off, what are you doing? Welcome. Welcome here. Uh, So we're going to review three or four games from the week that just happened. That would be week nine, and then we preview three or four games that are about to happen. That'll be week 10. It is insane. That we are already in week ten of the regular season, finishing up for a lot of sub FBS teams around the state. Let's start in the FCS ranks in the week nine review. Incarnate Word improves to eight and one on the season and three and one in the Southland Conference with a thirty-five to seven win over Texas A&M Commerce. Commerce is now five and three overall and three and one in conference play. The game was tied at seven. Following a four-yard touchdown run by Commerce's Cameron Neller with 4.09 left in the second quarter, UIW would score the next 28 points. The Cardinals outscored Commerce 21-0 to in the second half. And surprisingly, Corey, it was the ground game for UIW that led the way. The Cardinals racked up 300 yards and four touchdowns on 41 attempts. The Cardinals defense came up with three sacks and two interceptions. Corey, were you surprised, not that UIW beat Commerce, because we can agree UIW is a couple of years years ahead there, but were you surprised with how UIW beat Commerce, specifically with the run game and the defense?
0: A little bit on the game. And UIW is more of a run team this year under G.J. Kinney. He really wants to establish the run. They have done a great job of that throughout this year but commerce was a pretty good run defense yeah. like, coming into this. That that was what they, so for them to be able to do that is it is surprising a little bit. I, I got to tell you, Mike, it really showed the difference between an FCS team that is at the top and headed towards the playoffs versus a team that's in their first year of transitioning from FCS or from D2 into FCS and, and the, Where it showed was on the offensive and defensive line. Absolutely. Uh, UIW is huge. Yeah. Huge. And commerce is not, you know, commerce is good. They're they're really doing outstanding this year, but UIW is big. They're mean and they're nasty. And and you might not like the big, mean, and nasty, but if you want to win at the FCS level, you big, you better be mean and you better be nasty and when somebody punches you you better punch back don't get the personal foul penalties but I'm telling you it's rough and tumble at the big levels of FCS with the with the better teams
1: especially as you get into November you know that kind of stuff travels that kind of stuff works in the playoffs it definitely looked like a team that had a few more scholarships you know on the offensive defensive line and guys who have been developed over the last couple of years i will never forget last year i was at the incarnate word texas state game and I remember before the – this was not hindsight. This was before the the kickoff during warmups. I looked at some Texas State beat writers and were like, guys, if we switched uniforms, you would not know who the FBS team and who the FCS team is. And Carnell Ward's done a great job. Some of that should be credited towards Eric Morris. Uh, but I've been impressed with how well Coach Kinney's kind of put his own stamp on the team and continued the success at the same time. That can sometimes be a little tricky.
0: That is so tricky, and, and I I've got a, a I mean I talked with him last week. I talked with both him and Bailiff last week. I got great quotes and, and so many things I can still write about both those teams and how they're doing it this year. And it is really impressive what what Coach Kinney has been able to do. A first year head coach, he he kept some of the same staff on there. He he you know he had some continuity because, like he said they won, they were in the playoffs. You know, it's not like I had to start from scratch, but what he's done is he's established more of a championship identity. Not that Eric Morris isn't that level of coach. It's that identity, kind of the same thing you would saw with Sam Houston. For years, Sam Houston was all offense, no defense. And that was a part of the way that UIW was winning with offense a lot of times. And, And Keeler changed it, won a national title, at Sam Houston. I'm not giving UIW a national title yet, but the style of play where you can control the ball on the ground, you've got dynamic receivers and a quarterback who's get him the ball. You're able to physically set the tone. That's really the key on offense and defense. They physically set the tone and they did it early. Against commerce, they they came out, you know, it may be a little bit after the whistle, we got a little extra hit and, and a little bit of this and that a little chippiness. But you need that at that level a lot of times. Uh, on the other side, though, look, commerce, they're starting like five freshmen and sophomores on the offensive and defensive line. <laughs> like they are very, very young, especially on offense. It's a sophomore quarterback, their best wide receiver leading the FCS in touchdowns, a sophomore This team is on the – and it tells me about that. What's impressive there is David Bailiff has been recruiting at an FCS level while he was a D two coach. These guys came in while they were D2. They didn't know they were going D1. So that's what's really impressive to me about about the commerce side of things. So give them a couple years. They learned a lot from that game. You could tell. Those guys learned – different mentality and different play at this level and so to compete they've got to get that that same um uh, that same sort of, of mentality going
1: yeah I, I think in a year or two when commerce is starting to have more success we're going to hear about this game you know the coaching staff and the players are going to point to this game and be like you know that's where we knew we needed to get to it, it kind of showed us where our aiming point was one last question before we move to the sff sfa game i know you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, thought Incarnate Word was going to take a, a step back this year, not just because of a new coaching staff, but because of a great quarterback, Cam Ward, uh, leaving. I think I'm coming around, and you can agree or disagree with me. I think I'm coming around to the idea that Incarnate Word is built better to win in the playoffs this year than maybe they were last year. Do you, do you kind of agree with that statement, disagree with that statement, think they're about the same? Where do you stand on that?
0: No, I, I agree with that simply because they have – that rushing attack, that ability to control the line of scrimmage of the ball. And that front seven is of defense is just, they're tremendous. And and they, they are really, really nasty. They fly. They're fast. That's another thing. UIW is fast. You saw them flying around against commerce. Commerce is a good team. Okay. I, I know people think I've been disrespecting them this year. That's a good team. UIW made them look pedestrian in a lot of ways, just because of the speed. It's nothing that commerce could control. It's just the difference between the level of those teams right now. UIW is definitely built for the playoffs. They've got a great rushing attack, a defense that can shut people down, get to the playoffs. Those are the keys. Everybody loves offense and got to have enough. And look, Lindsey Scott jr. Is the perfect quarterback for that. He, he's a high completion, low turnover guy able to to you know if the offensive line breaks down he can get outside the pocket and make something happen they have all the keys special teams wise too they've got everything they need they've got the they've got all the ingredients it's can they put it together because to get a national title it's hard and it takes some luck yeah and so we'll see how that goes but they definitely have a shot come November
1: well, it seems like they're the state's best hope at an FCS championship or a deep run because SFA falls to five and four on the year and out of playoff contention with a heartbreaking forty-seven to forty-four loss against Utah Tech. The Jacks were stopped on the goal line as time expired thanks to an incomplete pass. SFA clawed, clawed back from a forty to thirty hole midway through the fourth quarter to take a forty-four to forty lead with two nineteen left after a 47-yard run by Miles Reed, but the defense couldn't come up with a final stop. A 14-yard pass by Utah Tech gave them a 47-44 to lead with 47 seconds left in the game. Trey Self threw for 391 yards. Xavier Gibson had a big game, but it was Reed that really led the way for the SFA on offense. He ran for 110 yards. He also had eight catches for 78 yards, but the defense allowed 517 yards and 26 first downs. Corey, We've talked about it kind of all year. We thought maybe the Jacks would right the ship eventually and kind of be the team we thought they'd be. But, you know, where did it go wrong this year for SFA?
0: I, I Before the season started, it, it went wrong. As soon as they started reading the clippings and, and seeing that we were expecting a lot of things out of them, they had a lot more turnover than I think any of us really realized. Uh, with the transfer portal. They lost some guys that were really important there. And I think they really thought that they were a team that was going to, they've kind of played like that. They've kind of played with their food, played to the level of competition all year long. They've been, they've been that team that they can look at. You know, they've got that ability. They can be just dominant. And then they put up and then they, they put up a lot of inexcusable, uh, outputs this year honestly like they've put up a few games that you're like I just don't know what's not clicking this was another one it's this is the worst loss this is by far the worst loss you don't lose at home on homecoming to Utah Tech and it, it it's almost like they fell into the trap game but then they had now they have a bye week and they have Central Arkansas and then Abilene Christian. Honestly they really don't have a chance of, of making the playoffs now. I don't see any way they make the playoffs. They had, I posted the video. Everybody wants to talk about the last play call, you know, SFA down on the one yard line, one play to go. They chose to do a little jump pass. Colby Carthel talked about that after the game. He said they had an initial play ran uh, two run and then, Right as the snap was happening, Utah Tech called timeout so that kind of started. The, they could see what that play was and so SFA thought they had them where they could kind of get them to buy on the run and then throw the dump pass. Utah Tech was ready for that. It's not that play call. It, it The play call, I get it. If, look, if it works, it's a genius. If it don't, we're going to question it. it. It's the fact that this defense that had been playing much better got torched by the trailblazers. They put up zero resistance and like maybe they were going to come back and pull one off, but all year long, you just felt they were kind of that seesaw and they fell off it this last week. You, you can see this should be a wake up call. This, this is one of those types of years and seasons that, it can inspire them, and they could come out next year and be really, really good, or this could make it go south pretty quick there in the Colby-Carthell era.
1: It feels like a lot of their losses have common themes. The defense has let them down, but also the red zone offense hasn't been that great. We were in NRG in the Sam Houston game where you know they should have won that game if they were better in the red zone. Again, against Utah Tech, you just look through the box score. They didn't score on two red zone trips. Uh, one of those being that that fourth down call at the end of the game, uh, but when you allow that many first downs, you allow that many yards, and then you yourself don't capitalize when in the red zone. You just don't have the margin of error when your defense is allowing forty plus points a game. You have to score every single time you get into the red area, or you're going to lose ball games by three points. Like this is why that this is why this is how that happens.
0: Well, another common theme between the Battle of the Piney Woods and this loss to Utah Tech is a is a pump block. You know, for a touchdown, you can't those special teams. It's all three, all three areas that are hurting SFA. Xavier Gibson is, is electric uh, on the punt return. And he's done some great things on punt and kickoff return this year, but they've had two punts. Blocked. That's not a Colby Carthel team. That's not winning football. Usually from Colby Carthel's time, when he got to commerce up through this year, you expected them to win the, the special teams battle because that's one of his specialties. It just hasn't happened this year. There's going to be a lot to look at. And another thing I want to mention too, not only was it personnel change on players, but coaches. Yeah. That almost an entirely new defensive staff. And and this is kind of what's interesting. What makes what GJ Kenny has done at UIW so impressive is he handled that changeover and they're successful. SFA had that changeover. And typically the reason why we kind of thought UIW might struggle this year and what we, what I failed to realize myself about SFA, it takes a while for new coaching staffs to gain their footing with the players, players to learn the lingo. It takes a good year to, and you see that at every level from NFL on down, a change in staff coordinators and things like that. It makes a big difference a lot of times. And it, and then it takes a year to learn and then they start going. This may be that year of learning, and then next year is when SFA may go off. But there's going to be a lot of questions they got to answer this offseason.
1: Yeah, a soul-searching offseason ahead in Nacogdoches. To end our Week 9 review, let's end it on a high note. Lamar earned its first victory of the season in a 24-17 victory over Nichols. Lamar jumped out to a 14-0 lead midway through the second quarter and held on to a 21-10 lead. Throughout the second half, the Cardinals ran for 283 yards and two touchdowns on 48 attempts. They only threw the ball 13 times in the win. The defense came up with an interception and two fourth down stops, so essentially three turnovers there for the defense. Corey, the Cardinals off the snide, feeling good. We've talked about this a few times with other teams. How important is just kind of seeing a win, just seeing some success so that that progress isn't for naught?
0: They've been so close, so close that they've been very, very close this year. And then relief like Saturday to see you look at blade Morgan's face. And it's just the, the weight was lifted when they finally got that win. And you know, what's great about this, Mike is, is this year may not been the greatest so far for some, some sub FBS teams, but we're breaking some streaks.
1: We are breaking some streaks.
0: Three straight weeks now, we've had Texas College, Austin College, and now Lamar. They've all broke over 15 game losing streaks. That is great to see. That that is fun. I hate. I, I do not like to see teams lose a ton of games. That's always that's always rough to look at. To see these teams getting these wins and to see what it could do. Th- this could be a big one. Lamar's got it's a tough game this week but it's kind of how they did it it's exactly what blaine morgan wants to do he wants to run the ball control the control the game on the ground with his offensive line who's still young and still maturing and growing and then have a a, the passing supplement that sometimes you know so yeah there's a lot of that but i've also I think I I just saw before we started here, Lamar's got somebody who's going to enter the transfer portal. That's starting a lot right now. We've got quite a few players in the FCS ranks that are are declaring themselves going into the transfer portal. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how much that plays into what's coming up in the next couple weeks as well.
1: Yeah, the offseason deserves a story on if these FCS teams are are importing or exporting more talent because you're you're going to have some both ways but which one is the net positive i did a story uh before the season on the g5 level and I, I found that they're importing more talent sure they're losing a few stars to, to power five programs like north texas lost their two best defensive ends to ucla in the offseason for example but they brought in like 12 guys from the power five level that just didn't work out at that level so we need to look at the FCS level and see if there's kind of more guys going out or more guys going in. It's never good to see that. But, you know, I talk about a lot, the proof of concept, I'm an analytical person. That's the way I like to look at the world, not just football. And so I'm always looking for proofs of concept. And for me, for coach Morgan, this feels like one of those things, right. Where it's like, you need to see some type of reward. We're all humans that are reward oriented. You need to see, some positive good vibes. And like you mentioned, we've seen three schools in a row now kind of get that, kind of get the reward for their hard work and the the proof of concept of hey, we're doing this the right way. We keep plugging at this. We can go from one win to four wins to seven wins to, you know, possibly be in a team that competes uh in the playoffs. So uh good on Lamar, uh, a good win there. Nichols not all that great, but you know, still a win is a win. All righty. We are going to week. Oh sorry, did you say something? Uh, this
0: is, this is what just came into my head. Cause I've got a, a, a six-year-old here. And when it comes to learning, like Lamar, you talk about that need to get that win. My son's learning to read right now. And so as he reads a sentence, I I've turned it into a competition for yeah. him. I say point game, you know, <laughs> if you tell him no point, he gets mad about that. Well, you tell like, someone no points so or you don't win enough. If you're a, a football team and it really becomes hard. The The season becomes longer, but as soon as you get that win, that positive, it could change everything. And hopefully it does here for Lamar, because that's a team that's that's done a lot of building over the last few years.
1: What What was Gabe uh, for Halloween?
0: He was Bumblebee. <laughs> and you would be surprised how many Bumblebees he sees on the road. They're all over the place. It's just, it's awesome. Yeah.
1: I do. uh, I'm not a big Halloween person, but I enjoy seeing all my friends' kids' pictures. Like it's just, it's awesome to see them um, in Halloween. I am a thief of joy. So (laughs) Halloween has never been. Never been a thing for me, even when I was a kid. I was just like, why? Well, I, I would just go get some MMs. I don't need all this stuff. I don't have to walk no, around. No full
0: size Snickers bars at the Craven household. No, nah,
1: no, nah, we <laughs> weren't a big candy family anyway. So my mom was a little strict on that stuff. So let's move into preview of week 10. Starting out with Abilene Christian, five and three, travels to Tarleton, another five and three team, kickoff set for 7 p.m. in Stephenville acu only one and three on the road this year conversely tarleton is three and one at home tarleton averaging around 30 points per game acu at 27 points per game Corey, pretty even teams on paper here what excites you about this matchup
0: this one is going to be fun and uh, i will be there on saturday night i i will be in memorial stadium that i get to see the tarleton light show and, and and that how the texans are doing and see acu you know tarleton just opened up. That's their first game. That that last game against Sam Houston, they lost at home, but it was their homecoming, and they had they say they had twenty thousand people. They opened up the twenty four thousand, the whole end zones, the stadium's fully open. They've done a great job. I'm really interested though in Abilene Christian. They're our best hope left for uh, to win the WAC Sun Challenge. It's ACU. They get They have to beat SFA. In a couple of weeks at home, and they have a shot at it. But it, you're one; they're one and three on the road, like you mentioned. They haven't they haven't been that great on the road. Last week against North Dakota, Abilene Christian played really well, maybe their best complete game they've played all season, and gave a ranked team a real scare up there. And that that was good to see. Tarleton, this is a real measuring stick. I want to say for the Texans this year game that they qu- they can win and i think some of their fans may go in feeling they should win but acu is a pretty darn good team and acu is going to come in feeling they should win and it's kind of a measuring stick for them as well in their fan base so this game is intriguing on a lot of different levels and i'm really looking forward to being there on saturday
1: give me tarleton at home who are you taking
0: Boy, you know what? I Right now, I'm going to actually, I'm going to say Abilene Christian at this okay. moment. I'm going to say it's going to be close, and, and simply because Tarleton is struggling on offense. Their last three games, they're just putting up about 20 points a game. Turnovers have been a big issue. Uh, Bo Allen was, you know, he's learning, but Sam Houston just confused the heck out of him. Three three interceptions. They had another three fumbles last week. Not a problem. I At the same time, Tarleton could could clean all that up and come out and put together a good game. But their last three games, it's kind of like we do in talk about form. I just don't think Tarleton's on the right form while I think Abilene Christian may be trending up a little bit.
1: Yeah, I see the point there. I guess I'm betting on, hey, we're not playing Sam Houston this week. This is going to be closer to our competition level. We can go win this game type of bounce back situation. So, uh, yeah, really intrigued with that one. I think that's one of the best – sub fbs games in the state this week up next a five and four midwestern state team that Corey is very familiar with travels to a seven and two texas a&m kingsville squad that is on a two-game losing streak kickoff at 7 p.m on saturday midwestern state on a two-game winning streak as i mentioned kingsville on a two-game losing streak is this one of those things where Kingsville gets back on track, or do you think Midwestern State keeps that momentum going?
0: Boy, it, it's tough to say. It really is. Midwestern is starting to play. They're, they've they been really banged up, and they still have a lot of injuries, but the backups are starting to really kind of take hold and play well. They're doing some different things there. Mass he's more of an old-school type, but he started to kind of buy into some of these gimmicks, things. Like, he now has maroon hair because he bet the team, if they won the homecoming his color is hair maroon. So he's got maroon hair now. You know, he, he handed out tennis balls to resemble bouncing back. And, and these these kids are really taken to this stuff. It, they, they're doing a great job. On the other hand, we didn't know who Kingsville was. We knew they were a good team, but then they had two road games, Angelo and Central Washington. You felt to win one of those, and they didn't. And, and they feel like they probably, Central Washington is one they could have won they will definitely lament that now Kingsville's focus has got to be the playoffs and for them to make the playoffs right now, they're on the outside looking in of the regional rankings released yesterday. Angelo state is number one, as we expected, no other lone star conference team would make the playoffs. If it were to start today, Kingsville can change that. They're the next highest team. They're eight. They're one spot out, but they need these wins. They need the MSU win. They need to finish this, this season undefeated. They're at home. That's the good news for the Havelinas. But a, a, a team on MSU that's gaining some confidence and momentum and has done decent on the road at times this year. So th- this one is a must win. That's why this is such a big game. It's a must win for Kingsville. They can't afford another loss if they're going to make the playoffs this year.
1: It felt like that Angelo State game between, became two losses for them, right? You know, like they, they entered that matchup. It was this big both teams undefeated type of deal. They lost that game and it feels like it carried over into the next week. Hopefully they can bounce back. Cause they still, like you mentioned, they still have something to play for. It's not like the season's over uh, for them. And so uh, you would think that they have more motivation and more to play for than Midwestern state, but on a two game winning streak, like you said, for Midwestern state, if you can finish this year on that high, you carry that into 2023.
0: And you can, and for Kingsville, I think, about angelo wasn't that they got beat it was how they got right they got they guys again angelo is on a different level from them and they proved that now i don't know how much of a carryover effect that had into central washington that was really a close game that was a back and forth game and and it's hard to travel up there to to central washington a lot of these teams at d2 they're not jumping on private jets they're taking (laughs) commercial flights
1: (laughs) they're going southwest
0: There's been issues on that this year. WT had issues on that. They got separated, different flights. had to Their flights from Amarillo got canceled. They had to drive to Dallas. I don't know if any of that happened at Kingsville, but it's not easy to get up to the great Northwest. A good Central Washington team, and it's interesting because Central Washington and those teams have struggled when they've traveled down here. So we're really seeing that effect in the Lone Star Conference. We wondered what it would be. We're seeing those travel effects, so yeah, it's been the they went up there. They had a chance on the road. I think that's something they'll kind of grasp onto as they get ready for MSU this week.
1: This is kind of off topic a little bit, but I, I got West Texas's uh, itinerary for when they go up to Simon Frazier and it's insanity. You know, <laughs> like like it's a Southwest flight basically from Amarillo to Denver, and then Denver to Seattle. And then they're staying kind of outside the border on the American side until the day of the game and then driving up there, playing the game, driving back, not even staying at a hotel, basically going straight to the airport and leaving out of there like 5 o'clock in the morning to come back to Amarillo. Like it's just – it's hard. You know, it's hard for Texas to go 3,000 miles of win a game. It's hard for the Dallas Cowboys to go 3,000 miles of win a game, right? Like that much travel is hard. When you're doing it the way you and I travel places, it, it makes it even harder. And so, you know, these are big dudes, right? You're six, seven, 320 pounds. You're stuck in an elevator or I mean, in an airport all day. You know, that's difficult. And so, uh, yeah. Well, and,
0: and when you do that, uh, you know, would they ask Hunter when you talk to him, ask him about their trip to Central Washington? I think it was Western Oregon, their trip to Western Oregon and all the fiasco that they came in because of flying commercials. Like I said, flights got canceled. They ended up on two separate flights. Baggage was lost. Like it was every calamity you could imagine there. And that's the thing that people don't D two D three teams aren't traveling private jets, like the university of Texas and the Dallas Cowboys. And it's hard for them. It's really, really hard for these, these lower schools. Yep.
1: Next game up. In our Week 10 preview, defending D3 champs Mary Harden-Baylor travel to Howard Payne on Saturday with kickoff set for 1 p.m. The crew are 7-1 and on a six-game winning streak following that Week 2 loss to Wisconsin Whitewater. Howard Payne is 6-2 on the year and 3-1 and at home. Corey, this would be a big upset, obviously, but how can Howard Payne even keep this one interesting, keep it close, and possibly pull the upset? What's the recipe for them?
0: Well, the first thing for them is they're at home. And so that helps, you know, I realize a bus trip from, from Belton to Brownwood may not be the worst thing in the world, but they are at home and they are sleeping in their, their own beds. Howard Payne, they, they were up at the half. They had Harden Simmons on the ropes at the half last week, and they just couldn't close it out. What has about this one is how can they bounce back and respond from that game against Harden Simmons and what ha- and if they do have a lead, have they learned, can they learn how and against these big teams, Howard Payne is the third best team in this conference. They've proven that over and over and over again. It's Mary Harden Baylor, Harden Simmons, Howard Payne, but it, there's a difference. There's a level. We talked about this last week, a little bit, Harden Simmons and Mary Harden Baylor are still a little bit above Howard Payne's closing that gap. But they need to win one of these games to truly show that they've arrived. And this is their this is their next chance. I expect probably a, a pretty good crowd will be at this game. And it, it's going to be chippy. Both these teams got attitude. And, and the attitude you need and you want to see, they've got it. And so it, it's going to be uh, an interesting game. And you know what? Who can control their emotions the best to execute when they have to will probably play a big role.
1: Yeah, you mentioned something that reminds me of another difference between some of those big FBS teams and and these sub-FBS teams, the sleeping in your own bed concept, right? Like when I was in Lubbock last week for Texas Tech, they all go to a hotel, you know, and they stay together, they go to a movie, it keeps them all in house, they can do bed checks, all that kind of stuff. I remember when Jeff Trailer got to UTSA, they stopped doing that because of budget stuff, and he hated it, you know, having his kids kind of everywhere at their own place not knowing he almost liked the road game more because there was a semblance of control um for that reason so i've heard they're, that there's heard
0: that from small college coaches too. right like it's like you better.
1: can you can kind of get them together you know where they all are you know they're not out you know the girl's not over you know they're not partying right like at home you know their buddy can be over they can be playing video games till three o'clock you just don't know uh what yeah. your kids are doing
0: well, and the other thing, too, to pull the curtain back on the, the D2, D3 schools a little bit, too, coaches do that. And the first thing, they the biggest reason they like being on the road, they know what their kids are being fed. Yes. They, they can give them, they can get them the meals. They're paying for their meals. They know they're eating well. When they're at home, they don't know how these kids are eating because they, they're not allowed to just give a team meal the night before. So that's another thing that, that's a big part of it, too.
1: Mary Harden. Does Mary Harden have to win this game? I mean, is it is it win out to make playoff type deal?
0: Yeah, no. Mary if if Mary Harden Baylor loses this game, they're done. Um well, I'd say they're they're not done. They're gonna make the playoffs because the automatic bid. But they're gonna drop so low, it's gonna be a hard path to get through there. There There's some really, really good teams in D three. So they don't have to win to make the playoffs, but this is a game. I, I'm not expecting a convincing win, but this is one they better, they'll, they'll be focused on this one. Let's just.
1: And then last up on our week 10 preview, the five and three Navarro bulldogs close the season. I feel, do I say that right? I feel like I hear people say Navarro differently than I say it. How do you say I always Navarro? I
0: say Navarro I've okay. Navarro and Navarro, but when you watch the Netflix cheerleading special, yeah, I did. I, it's Navarro.
1: Okay. Sonny Dykes, who coached there, he says it a different way. He says like Navarro, or like he says it differently than I can even pronounce it, or whatever. And it always throws me off. Anyway, uh, the Bulldogs close the season at home against Tyler Junior College. The Apaches are also five and three. Kickoff set for three p.m. Tyler had a four-game winning streak snapped last week against Kilgore. Navarro bounced back with a lo- from a loss to Trinity Valley with a win over Cisco College. Corey two rivals with the same record battling to end the regular season. Who you got? Well, this game has
0: a lot of stakes to it because the winner is automatically into the SWFC playoffs that begin next week. So if you want a spot in the semifinals, you win this game. The loser may not be in there, especially if it's Tyler, because Tyler's got that loss to Kilgore. So if Navarro wins, Navarro is, I believe, the three seed, and then Kilgore's the four seed. Tyler's out. If Tyler wins, Tyler's the two seed. New Mexico Military's the three seed because Trinity Valley, by the way, beat New Mexico Military last week. They are now the one seed and will host the semifinals and finals if they win their semifinal. Uh, but then, so so really, they got to win this game. The only focus for both Navarro and Tyler this week: win this game, and you're in, and you have a chance. And that's all you can really ask because any of those fourteen, any of these five teams that we mentioned—Trinity, NMMI, Kilgore, Tyler Navarro—they any of them are capable of winning this conference. They're all so good, but Navarro—they—they they need this, and Tyler needs this. Tyler's got to help themselves. They—they they got negative rushing yards last week against Kilgore, and then they've had penalty problems at times this year. They need to stay disciplined, and Navarro just. Needs to continue to build. They've been improved a lot with Dane Jensen, and they they still kind of use a dual quarterback system. But Dane Jensen has done a really good job here. So it it's going to come down to who can who can play the like a lot of these games do. It's really hard to separate these two teams.
1: November is the best month of the year for a lot of reasons, in my opinion. Um, but one of the main reasons, and and this is because this is what I do for a living. But it becomes where all of these games are playoff games, right? We're not in the playoffs yet, but they might as well be playoff games. The weather starts to cool a little bit. All the stakes rise, and it's just you, you know who the teams are, the teams who know who they are. You just get a lot better football this time of year.
0: You really do. And, and we are just a couple of weeks from starting playoffs here. You know, the JUCO will start it next week. And then after that, we're going to have D three, D two starting, and then a week after that, we get our FCS going. High schools coming up here here after this weekend, so it's this is a great time. I love November. I love December. Uh, It's a very busy time. Very very busy. We're on the I'm on the road a lot, as you are too. Spread all over the place, but man, you look back come January and this was it's always a lot of fun to cover these playoffs
1: yeah i spent week eight in san antonio week nine in lubbock and i'm gonna spend week 10 in houston so i am i'm hitting every single part of this state <laughs> that's that, hey, more power to you see
0: I, I i have to do the driving so i don't tend to hit as many, bar, as
1: many hey too. buddy i drive to all those places too i'm not a flyer if i can drive somewhere i'm driving do you up. yeah because
0: oh, I, I, I didn't know if you would rather take a flight to
1: somewhere. No, i uh And it's not because I'm scared of flying or anything. I'm just, I like my own space and I like to be in control. And if I'm in my car, I can decide when I stop. I can decide when I go. I don't get delayed by anybody. I don't sit next to somebody who's like taking up three spots or has their elbow in my chest or something like that. It's just, I would rather drive if I can. My car doesn't appreciate it, but I I would rather drive if I can.
0: we're, We're a lot alike. I would rather drive a lot of times too, because just being in an airport. Yeah, You know, I'm aff- I, I just afraid somebody's actually going to talk to me. And I just, you know, <laughs> right. that's, I think we both understand what yeah. we mean by
1: that. Yeah, 100%. 100%. All righty, that will do it for this episode of the Republic of Football. Please go to texasfootball.com. Corey will have the Blitz up on Wednesday. The Texas 47 is out. We are rocking and rolling towards the playoffs for Corey Hoke, Mike Craven, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. We appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you next week.